This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. After he appeared to his followers in Jerusalem, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fashion your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. So, 
I imagine that we can all relate to Peter in that moment. This is the 21st chapter of John. Peter and the other disciples have witnessed the horrific event of the crucifixion. Uh, everything that they dreamed about has sort of come to this crashing and ugly ending. But then, but then, three days later, there's the empty tomb, there are the appearances of the risen Christ, Christ coming to the disciples, although they're locked behind closed doors, as we heard last week. Peter must be just terribly confused and bewildered, you know, to try to make sense of these events. Even the wonder and majesty and awe of the risen Christ, what does this mean? What does it mean for Jesus to die one day and then suddenly be among us, living again? So there's Peter, and he's also ashamed. He's ashamed of what he did or didn't do when Jesus most needed him. So what does he do? In his confusion, in his bewilderment, he goes back to what he thinks he knows how to do. <laughs> he goes fishing, right? I'm going to, you know, if there's one thing I know in this confusing, uncertain world, it's how to fish. <laughs> and so he goes out at night with the other disciples, and he says, I'm just going to fish. But guess what? He comes up empty. He comes up empty. And it's not until he hears, the disciples hear this voice, cast the net on the other side of the boat, that he's able to fish again. And so as I was listening to this story and preparing myself for the conversation we're going to have in just a moment about who we are as a church and where we're headed as a church, I said, what does this gospel text have to say to us today? Well, this first part of the story, I think, says something really important. And what it says to me is that there's a great temptation among all of us, I think, to want to look to the past, to the old way of doing things. Like Peter, if there's one thing I know how to do, I know how to fish. I'm going to go back. I know Jesus called me to be a disciple. I know we did all this teaching and healing and whatever, but... I, you know, he died, and he's coming back, and I don't know what to do. I'm going to just go back to what I used to do. But guess what? That doesn't work. We can't just go back to the way things used to be. Instead, we have to listen attentively to the voice of Christ. And Christ may be calling us into a new place. He may be teaching us to do something a little bit differently. The casting the net maybe on the other side of the boat. I mean, I'm imagining Peter there saying, geez, you know, I, if there's anything I know how to do, it's to fish, and I've been at it all night, and you're telling me to cast it on the other side of the boat? He must have been a little, really? But he does, and guess what? By listening faithfully and attentively to Jesus' voice, he's led into abundance. And so if there's one 
thing that I take away from that conversation is as you as a church are thinking about your future, don't get caught up in a romanticism and a nostalgia about the way things were in the past, like we can somehow go back to the 1950s and be a 1950s Lutheran church. That ain't gonna happen. What we need to do in our confusion, our bewilderment, our wondering about what's next is we need to listen as carefully and attentively as we can to where Christ is calling us, because he may be calling us to do something new, something a little bit different. So that's the first thing. And that is, after all, word. You know, we're a church of the word. We have to listen attentively to the word. So that's one anchor of who we are. But then what happens next after they catch all this fish? What happens next is Jesus calls them to the shore and he says, come and have breakfast. Jesus wants to feed them. He wants to gather them as a community and he wants to feed them. Come and have breakfast. Just as he had done with the disciples before he died, called them to a last supper, gathered them for a sacred meal. So now on the other side of the cross, he is gathering them for a meal. And guess what? What is the foundations of being a church? It's hearing the word, which we just talked about, and it's coming to this table to be fed by Christ. It's word and sacrament. And so what I'm hearing from this gospel text this morning is that we as a church, we always have to be anchored in listening for Christ and what Christ is saying to us in every moment. And we have to gather together as a community around a table to be fed. Now what happens here when we have the bread and the wine is a mystery. But I know and, and I'm sure that you know, when we gather in a circle around here, we look in each other's eyes, and we share the bread and we share the wine, something very profound and mysterious and wonderful and beautiful happens. And I, I honestly can't explain it. The best the church can do, I think, is to say that the risen Christ is with us in that moment, somehow, mysteriously. Just as he was with the disciples on the beach around that charcoal fire, with bread and fish, and just as he was with them at the Last Supper, sharing the bread and the wine. And so, if there are two things I know that we have to do as a church, as we're looking forward and trying to figure out what we have to do, is we have to listen for God's voice, listen for Christ's voice, and we have to come together as a community and gather around the table. And if you don't do those things, if you think you know what you're doing without doing those, I think you're going to be lost. So if I have two things I want to say, it's those two. But that's, that's not all that the, happens in the gospel text. As you heard from my conversation with our children this morning, after teaching them how to fish, sharing breakfast with them, Jesus then has a conversation with Peter. And Peter, of course, is the representative of the leader of the church. And what, what Jesus is doing with Peter is he's teaching. He's helping Peter to grow in faith. Peter thinks he loves Jesus, but he really doesn't. Or he does and he doesn't. He has to grow in his love for Jesus. 
And through this dialogue, as I was explaining to the kids, through this dialogue, he's teaching Peter that loving Christ is more than just saying you love Christ. It's being willing to care for God's people, feed God's people, follow in Jesus' footsteps. And so teaching and learning, growing in faith, is a third element, I think, that we learn from our gospel text this morning and that can help us in our discernment about what it means to be church and where we're going. I oftentimes think of church as an altar. <laughs> isn't, isn't that convenient? And an altar has four corners. And the four corners of the altar, the four corners of the church, the four foundations of the church are worship, which are the first two things we heard about in our gospel text, listening to the word and gathering around the table to be fed. Worship. The second corner is teaching and learning. It's growing in the faith, and that's what Jesus was doing with Peter. Teaching and learning, Christian formation, whether it's teaching our children, teaching our young people, teaching adults, all of us continually need to grow in the faith. So worship is one corner. Teaching and learning is another corner. What are the other two corners? The other two corners are outreach and inreach. And that, these two elements, too, are in this gospel text in ways. When Jesus talks about tending my sheep and feeding my sheep, who are Jesus' sheep? If you go back to John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and we have to hear this story in the context of John chapter 10. Jesus talks about tending not just to the immediate flock he's been given, but that there's another flock out there that he's calling to and gathering in. Indeed, as we know from John, God sent Jesus into the world to love the whole world. He gave his son for the whole world. And so inreach and outreach are two important foundations of our church, too. And what do we mean by that? Outreach is reaching out to the world, those people who aren't members of our church, and loving them the best we're able. That includes things that you already do, right? The, the wonderful project that you're doing with this Afghan family in Portsmouth is a wonderful example of that. What you do on Wednesday mornings with your pop-up pop pantry is a wonderful example of that. And I have only come to know, I'm sure, the tip of the iceberg in terms of the outreach efforts that this church already does as an expression of this third foundation of the church. And inreach is caring for each other here in the church. Because just as we want to love our neighbors and love the world, we need to care for one another. And here, too, I know you have a Care Connections program that has many, many different ministries. Prayer ministries, visiting the sick ministries, taking communion to people, fellowship. So, in a nutshell, my 
reflection to you on who you are as a church and who you can be as a church and where God is calling you as a church, taking off from our gospel text this morning, is think about the four corners of your altar. Worship, teaching and learning, in-reach, outreach. Worship, teaching and learning, in-reach, outreach. I think those are the foundations of any healthy and vibrant church. And my experience of you in the brief time I've been with you is that this is a wonderfully healthy church that has done great things and has a wonderful future. And what you're there's not going to be a pastor who's going to come along who's going to be able to do all those things. The question you should be asking is, who do we want to be as a church? And can we find a pastor to help us in that? The pastor may be particularly good at one or two of those things, but, but you, nobody's good at everything. But you want to find somebody who is committed to all four of those things and willing to walk alongside you in building up these four foundations of a healthy church. And so I'm interested in a few moments and hearing from all of you about what it is you think that makes Holy Trinity really special and compelling as a church, how you're doing in terms of these four foundations, whether you think that there's maybe something else that I'm missing, and what it means in today's particular context. Where is God calling this church as we move into the future, being mindful of the fact that maybe we can't do things the way we always have, and we have to be listening to where Christ is calling us. So I hope you'll stay around and share your wisdom and your experience with all of us so that we can help our uh, MSP team and our call committee in their important work. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.